This is Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today in Manhattan Beach, California, and today I'm joined by Chandra Hicks. Hi, Chandra. Hi. Thanks for being on the show. For any first-time listeners out there, our purpose here is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I typically invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. So today the tables have turned a little um, because I'm visiting Chandra and I'm at her house and she made us a tasty smoothie today. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Uh, Chandra is a Barbie designer and has been working as a toy designer for the last decade, which sounds like a pretty cool job. Can you share a little about what you do currently and your career history up until this point? So what I currently do is design product for children from uh, conception of the idea, uh, ideating, uh, brainstorming, through design all the way to production. So following a project from beginning to end, and I get to see those projects come to life on shelf in toy stores everywhere. That's really cool. And how I got there is I went, I actually went to a community college outside, out of um, school, high school, and thought I was going to go into engineering, and that was not fun. <laughs> and so while taking my general education classes, I took some art classes, and then I took some more art classes, and thought, well... I mean, I'd really rather be doing this than mm-hmm. sitting in front of a computer all day, although that's what I do anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my uh, art instructors actually recommended that I go check out some of the schools nearby, and Otis College of Art and Design happened to be one of those. And the first program they show you when you go on tour is toy design. And that's when my mind was blown. Like, what? <laughs> You can make toys. That's <laughs> a job. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, that's when I realized, like, everything you use, everything you touch, everything you see, everything has to be designed by somebody. Mm-hmm. And so that was a real tipping point to me. Researching the program, I realized that, you know, it's a viable career. Um, the companies you can work at, the money you can make you aren't a starving artist, I had to convince my Korean mother that that was the correct path for me, Um, Mm -hmm. and I applied and got into Otis, and so Mm -hmm. I spent three years at Otis studying toy design, and at the end of it, I had done two internships, one at Disney and one at Spin Master. At the end of your career at Otis, they give you um, what they call the senior show, and you get a space to show your work that you've done for the three years and at that uh, showcase I had Mattel recruiters coming through and lucky for me they liked what they saw they talked to me they liked me as a person brought me in for interviews and about two months after school I was offered a position at Mattel Mm -hmm. yeah I remember uh your your graduate show and I went and it was really fun just to see all of the cool things people came up with and I wonder if because I remember your one of the the projects that you showcased was which is still to date my favorite thing but you created your own kind of Barbie 
and it was like a, um, a Harajuku Barbie. So do you think that because you had a, a Barbie design in your portfolio, do you think that might have helped Barbie see that, or Mattel see that you might be a good fit for them? I think what's more important, especially now that I'm moving more into a management role at work, Mm-hmm. is looking at how someone is a fit uh, personality-wise, mm-hmm. you know, because who you work with is more important than what you work on. Yeah. I always say I could be shoveling dirt, and it wouldn't matter if I had good people around me. Mm-hmm. And then also, if they have the skills necessary to be able to do the job, because you can teach anyone about brand relevance. You can teach them what kind of style, you know, a company likes to use or a group of people mm-hmm. but they have to have those core skills and be able to innovate uh, ideate they need to have drawing skills and all those things in order to do the job so I don't necessarily think it's because I had fashion dolls in my show but more mm-hmm. that I showed a broad range of skills and mm-hmm. ideas and, and hopefully I seemed like a nice person yeah I'm sure you did <laughs> So the next question, which I think you might have kind of already sort of answered, but when was the moment you felt that you broke into your industry or or role? So it kind of sounds like you got a job like right after school that you're still at, which is pretty cool. I guess how I could answer this is more like when did I feel like I went from an entry level Mm. designer Mm -hmm. to someone who's a brand expert? Yeah, and a decision maker. Um, And I I would say that that took a few years. One, coming into such an established brand, didn't have a lot of history with it and had to learn. And then also just getting enough designs, mistakes, and successes under my belt to be able to say that I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I, I would say at least two to three years before I started feeling comfortable being like, yeah, I'm a toy designer. Yeah, yeah. So... At So it could be at your current job or before you got to Mattel. Did you have a mentor at any point along your journey? And then also, um, are you a mentor now to others? So I think I've been lucky enough to have mentors from school moving forward. I've worked with the creator of He-Man. He's one of my instructors at school and other instructors that I had at Otis that also worked at Mattel and other toy companies that really took me under their wing and showed me the ropes. And I think a lot of it is if you show them respect, they're going to do whatever they can to help you out. Mm -hmm. And then also I've had good bosses, I've had bad bosses, and I take learnings from all of them, Mm -hmm. uh, every single one of them. I know I've had amazing bosses that have, like, I hope one day that I can be as good as they are. Mm -hmm. And, um... In terms of being a mentor, I have had a few interns that report to me, and mm-hmm. so I would hope that they would be able to look at me as a mentor, mm-hmm. and I definitely need to grow in that role, but I look forward to helping junior designers out and kind yeah. of helping them get through some of the difficult points that I had to get through early in my mm-hmm. career. Yeah, that's really valuable. <laughs> <laughs> I guess... On the opposite end of the spectrum, what has been your biggest career obstacle slash shittiest moment? All right. Well, (laughs) I think it's been a series of shitty moments, if 
if I can say that. Okay. Because they're, just as you've worked in nonprofit before mm-hmm. in smaller companies, working at a corporation is a beast. And so mm-hmm. it's like moving a large ship, you know, Anytime a company wants to make change, it's going to take a lot of people, a lot Mm -hmm. of decisions, sometimes too many. Mm -hmm. And then also, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a business. Mm -hmm. And so people are collateral and it comes down to budget. And I've been through many layoffs at Mattel and those are always cruddy times to work through. Morale's low. Mm -hmm. It's hard to want to come into work when, you know, your friend is no longer employed. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I would say just working within a corporate beast, although it has many positives, security, benefits, mm-hmm. um, resources, as a designer, having all those resources at my fingertips is amazing. Mm-hmm. It also comes with the, the, the beast that is a corporation. So you would say that, I guess, it isn't, there's not like one specific shitty moment that you've had to like overcome it's just kind of like the bureauc the overarching bureaucracy of working for like a large corporation yeah say? yeah okay. and it comes in waves you know there's mm-hmm. times when you feel like the company's rooting for you and you're at a high and then there's mm-hmm. times when you're at a low and you're like why can't anybody make a decision yeah yeah that's really tough and then also like I don't know if you can talk about this or not but at at Mattel like I know where I work we recently went through a reorg to remove silos right so like you know get um, marketing and creative to be more integrated with sales and what their goals are so like as a designer do you have insight into the marketing plans and the, maybe like say the sales what the sales goals are because I'm sure that's like a big part of your job as a designer too is to think about like the market and what people are buying yeah well, as a designer at Mattel, we do get to work very closely with all the members of different functions. So, you know, like it takes a village for one product to come out. Mm-hmm. So I work very closely with marketing. I meet with sales once in a while, mm-hmm. but not that closely. Uh-huh. But it's it's tough when you're in a large organization for, mm-hmm. you know, they want processes and ways of working and everyone's held at their their goals are different depending on what their function is. So mm-hmm. as much as we try not to be siloed, it's hard for it not to be that way. Sure. And then if I could also ask this question just from my own curiosity, you know, sometimes, like just going off of like my previous question, I guess, how how does the design process work? Like do you, and if, if you can't talk about it, that's okay, but do you guys brainstorm and come up with ideas for the next year or do you get kind of like a checklist from other departments like we need I don't know like a I don't know the specific type of doll that you know we know is on demand or you guys kind of like the um the trend watchers or like the creators of the trends or do you pull those from I, I mean I'm sure you pull them from a lot of different places too like pop culture fashion, mm-hmm. etc. I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Okay. You know, there's what we know we're going to do every year, mm-hmm. and then there's the stuff that we're always pushing to innovate, and, mm-hmm. and yes, we're, we're looked at as the trendsetters, the yeah. ones that are 
keeping our eye on pop culture, coming up with the next cool thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a little bit of both. It's a push and pull. Okay. Cool. positive stuff in your career what do you think has been your biggest opportunity slash best moment um the one great thing about working in a giant corporation is mm. that I get to do things like travel for work mm. and so I think the biggest opportunity for me was to go to Hong Kong and get to meet the designers on that and that I work with on a daily basis I email back mm-hmm. and forth we call we video conference call all the time but getting to actually meet them in person was really beneficial um, you know getting to work very quickly because we're right there mm-hmm. and then also getting to see uh, the plants and all those things that I learned in school of how toys are made but getting to see it in person is um, such a, an enriching experience so mm-hmm. that was one of the best opportunities that Mattel's ever given me and so um and I only hope that more designers get to also do that mm-hmm. that's really cool so I guess we'll move into the next segment which is the hidden talents portion of the episode so on the show um I'd like to highlight what I call hidden talents so things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work related and I know that you um have a kid (laughs) you're a proud mom and you actually one of two for now since you are currently pregnant you're currently with child (laughs) (laughs) as they say um did you want to talk a little bit about your experience being a like full-time working mom sure well it's exciting to finally have a you know made a consumer of the products that I make (laughs) (laughs) your child can be kind of like a focus group (laughs) yes um he's brought a lot of love and joy and obstacles and terror into my home but the, I, th- I would say the biggest thing that's changed for me since having him is just, and I'm sure every mom says this is priorities, you know, I no longer stay at work until 8 or 9 o'clock on a regular basis, mm-hmm. sometimes 2 in the morning, and I have to go home to get him. Mm-hmm. I um, make sure to have time for him on the weekends, that I don't bring too much work home with me. And I'm really lucky that Mattel actually has on-site daycare, Mm -hmm. which is really helpful for me. But it also brings a lot of financial stress because it's like a second mortgage putting him in daycare. So on the one hand, I'm more frugal. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I am more willing to let go of work and come home and spend time with him. But I also love going to work. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because as much as I love that booger, Uh I need a break from him sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Understandable. And I'm sure it's, like, nice to be around adults and stuff. Yes. Too. Sometimes. (laughs) It was a little isolating during uh, my maternity leave when it's just Mm. you and baby and you're trying to figure out how to keep this thing alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, you don't have any adult interaction this little human being can't even speak with you and so I know a lot of moms have a difficult time going back to work and 
I actually really looked forward to it. <laughs> so I guess uh, we'll dive into listener questions. I have about four for you. So the first one is, we'll start with the there's a lot of obviously Barbie related questions. So the first one, I haven't heard this. I don't know if this is a rumor or not, but why did Barbie and Ken split up? Um, I think, you know, I don't 100% know the reason why they broke up, but I think she just wanted to explore options. So back in 2004, Barbie and Ken officially broke up, but lucky for him in 2011, he was able to win her back. So they're, they're officially back together. Good for Barbie. Uh, This question is uh, kind of timely, I guess. Um, How does Barbie navigate the, the, or Mattel, um, navigate the changing landscape of women and what's Mattel slash Barbie doing to be more diverse and inclusive? Well, I don't know if we've seen recently, like we just had the first uh, hijab wearing Barbie I did see that. Yeah, that's terrific. um, To kind of answer that, back in 2015, Barbie made a big push to include more hair types, more skin tones, Mm -hmm. um, to have dolls represent more girls of the world and what they might look like. Mm -hmm. Then in 2016, Barbie released three new body types so that Mm. we would have the original Barbie and the curvy, the petite, and the tall. So not only did we have a more diverse ethnic offering of dolls Mm -hmm. that looked more like more girls but we now also had a wider variety of bodies Um, that's great and then in 2017 we went on to include ken into that so mattel's always going to continue to push and be a reflection of the time and try to include more people and you know on top of that barbie's always represented different career roles that Mm -hmm. girls can go into her motto is you can be anything and so you know I personally designed doctors race car drivers snowboarders and Mm -hmm. we even had a video game programmer and other recent careers come out so we're always trying to push the boundaries of what girls see Mm -hmm. and what they can do yeah and just kind of like not really related to that point, but something I just thought about. I follow Barbie on Instagram, and her outfits are always on point. Like, I, <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of all of her outfits on Instagram. Super cute and stylish and timely. So I guess the, uh, the next question we have um, from a listener is, I regretted not buying the Spice Girls dolls back in the 90s did Mattel produce those and if so can I purchase them from the vault I don't think Mattel produced them okay and so I would say your best bet is to go to eBay yeah that's that's good advice (laughs) and then I really like this question if you weren't working as a toy designer what other types of uh work or career would you pursue or be interested in hmm Well, I think I always need to have a creative outlet, so I think I would do something entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's starting my own bakery or another company of something I haven't thought of yet. Uh Um, So I 
or going and teaching at schools, um, mm -hmm. it would definitely still be in a creative vein of thinking. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And yeah, that makes me wonder too, like, because you, you are essentially a fashion designer for a tiny woman. <laughs> so do you think that you would explore, like, uh, designing clothes for humans? <laughs> um, no. Okay. And here's why, because we have many different types of designers at Mattel, mm -hmm. and I focus more on the toy aspect of it, oh, okay. what's fun about it. I do design outfits for Barbie, but... Mm -hmm. I like to focus more on, like, how fun is the toy? What is it doing? Okay. Is it the next big thing? Versus just designing a bunch of outfits day sure. in and day out. Uh -huh. So I can design outfits for Barbie, and they can be mm -hmm. damn cute, but uh, I don't know how well I would do on people. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that kind of concludes the career questions and you know Barbie questions so one thing I like to ask guests at the end of each episode is what are you looking forward to this week and it doesn't have to be about your job <laughs> um getting some sleep oh great yes and and getting to see my booger again yeah <laughs> that's that's definitely something to look forward to both of those things <laughs> All right. Well, Chandra, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so to learn more about Chandra, toy design, and the other topics we covered on this episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was Chandra's Tropical Smoothie. So you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Take care, everyone.